And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then the thief said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus replied, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we ask you as we do every week to be here with us and we trust that you have answered our prayer and are here. May my words be your words and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. So today is the last Sunday of what we call the liturgical or church year. We start a new church year next week with the first Sunday of Advent, but the church has always reserved the last Sunday of the church year for Christ the King Sunday. So that's what we're celebrating today, Christ the King. So next week, first Sunday of a new church year, we start Advent. We await the birth of Christ, but for today, we're talking about Christ the King. And I always thought it was interesting that we talk about Christ the King right before we start Advent, that season in which we are waiting for the King's arrival. But just what kind of king are we expecting? What sort of king is this going to be? Is it going to be a benevolent king with a luxurious beard like King Arthur? Or an evil one with no nose like Lord Voldemort? Okay, no more Harry Potter jokes. <laughs> Uh, or is it going to be a king like Henry VIII, who started our church? Yay! But who did it at the expense of three or four wives? Boo! <laughs> Just exactly what are we in for with this coming king? Now, you'll probably have noticed that Christ's kingship was a running theme throughout our readings, and it's perhaps most evident in the imagery used by St. Paul in his letter to the Colossians that we heard this morning. He says, he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven on earth were created, things visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, powers. All things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. That's a king. These are the kinds of things that we think of when we think of kings, first, greatest, head, rulers, thrones, powers, kingly things. But to put some flesh on these sort of characteristics, let me tell you a story about Christ the King. It's from Luke chapter 19, probably a story that you all know. When Jesus came to the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples, and he says, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why are you untying it, just say this. The Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying it? 
they said, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Now that is Christ, the King, right? Why are we untying the colt? The Lord needs it. No questions when you're the king. And when Jesus goes down to Jerusalem, the whole crowd begins to praise him. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And this is the kind of behavior that we expect from a king and from his subjects. The king is someone who asks for what he wants and gets what he wants. And the subjects are the ones who praise him to the highest heaven. And that's a king. And that is often, I think, the kind of king we think of when we think of Christ the king, this sort of kingly, lauded, celebrated Jesus. And we're used to this kind of thing when we think of kings. We're used to a world in which kings ask for stuff and get what they want. We subjects only get what we want if we give the king what he wants first, right? Isn't that how it works? You only get the promotion when you prove what a hard worker you are. You only get the girl or the boy when you prove how desirable you are. You only get invited to the cool parties when you prove that you can be cool too. You only get what you deserve. You only get what you earn. This is how we relate to kings. This makes sense to us. And we imagine, probably mostly subconsciously, that King Jesus is the same. He says things like, Love your neighbor as yourself. Turn the other cheek. Give everything you have to the poor. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Maybe we think if we give King Jesus what he wants, he'll do something nice for us. Maybe he'll take care of us. Maybe even love us. And so... When we think of what it means to be a Christian, don't we often think of it in terms of being a subject of this great Christ the King, worshiping him, obeying him, trying to give him what he wants? Now, we like the idea of worshiping a king who asks for stuff because we think that if we can give the king who asks for stuff what he wants, then he might give us something in return. But Jesus is another kind of king, too. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, he crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. Jesus Christ is a king who wears two crowns. Yes, he wears a glorious golden one as almighty king of heaven and earth. But he also wears a blood-soaked thorny one as redeemer of the world. 
Jesus is, and make no mistake about this, Jesus is a king who asks for stuff. He asks for our obedience. He asks us to love our enemies. He asks us to give away all that we have. He asks us to follow him. These requirements of Jesus are good and right and true and holy. But unfortunately, as each one of us has experienced in our lives, the desire to do something good and right and true and holy does not necessarily lead to the ability to do it. So what happens when we come up short of the requirements of Christ the King? What happens when we face an enemy that we just can't find it in ourselves to love? What happens when we decide that there are some things that we just need to keep for ourselves? What happens when our own needs and desires take precedence over those of Christ the King? Well, the bad news about kings is that they're kings. They don't leave us any wiggle room. Therefore, says Jesus, you must be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. If anyone asks you, why are you untying the colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. No explanations, no excuses. So I find that my use for a king who asks for stuff, as right and good and true and holy as that stuff is, my use for that king runs out at the point that I stop being able to give the stuff for which I'm being asked. Even though I know the things he's asking for are good, if he's just going to keep asking me for things that I can't give, then ultimately he's no help to me. I need something else. I need a different sort of king. I need a king who will give me something. I said before that we like the idea of worshiping a king who asks for stuff because we think that if we can give that king what he wants, he'll give us something in return. It turns out that I need a king who will give me something for nothing. And Christ Jesus is just this sort of king. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God? since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, Truly, I tell you, today, you will be with me in paradise. This Jesus does not have the appearance of a king. We only know he's a king, in fact, because of the placard hung above his dying body. This is the king of the Jews. People are calling him a king, but it's obvious that they're doing it sarcastically. They dress him in a robe, but they mock him. They give him a crown but it's a crown of thorns and it digs into his head, causing blood to run down into his eyes. And yet, this is a king 
who offers a dying thief paradise. Jesus is two different kings. On the one hand, he is the king of triumph, of praise, the king everyone loves, the king who is unquestioningly obeyed. And he is also a king hanging on a cross, promising a fellow condemned man a place at his side forever in paradise. The first king is a king who asks for things. Go into the village ahead of you. If anyone asks why you're untying the colt, just say the Lord needs it. The second king is a king who offers something. Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. These two kings seemingly couldn't be more different, and yet the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is both of these kings. He is the Almighty, the Son of the living God. He is the suffering servant, the Lamb sacrificed before the foundation of the world. How are they reconciled? How can they both exist in Jesus? Remember the words of the thief hanging on a cross next to Jesus. We indeed, he says, have been condemned justly. for We are getting what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. See, the thief knows the bad news. The king who asks for stuff when he gets the wrong stuff or stuff that's not good enough has no answer other than justice, no answer other than condemnation. All he's got is off with their heads. St. Paul says that the wages of sin is death. And as terrible as that feels, as badly as it hurts, that thief knows that it's right, that it's justice, that he's getting what he deserves. We indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. When the sum of our deeds deserves condemnation, it is then that we turn desperately for a different kind of king. A king who is hanging on a cross. Now listen, we're not turning to get a second opinion or a ruling from a nicer judge. The facts of the case are not in dispute. Death is the deserved punishment for these deeds. But Jesus Christ is both the Almighty King and the Redeemer King. Because of that, he does not love us just the way we are. Rather, he recognizes the way we are, unable to give what is required. And so he gives it for us. And so we thieves hear the good news. Today, you will be with me in paradise. The Redeemer King has stepped between us and the Almighty King. His life in place of ours. His goodness in place of ours. His faithfulness in place of ours. The off with their heads from the Almighty King is meted out on the neck of the Redeemer King. This is why 
that second king, our final king, the king of the gospel, the king who gives us something for nothing, is not a king in some other throne room or in some other procession or in an office or on a beach or anywhere but hanging on a cross. This dying king is the king for me because I'm dying. I need a king who is not going to ask me for something. Or rather, I need a king who's going to ask me for something, but then give me what he has asked for. Today, we celebrate the good news that John and Alexander have a king who will give them for free everything that he has asked of them. We put water on their foreheads and say that we baptize them into the death of Christ. They serve a king, but a king who was bruised for their transgressions, crushed for their iniquities. His crown of thorns overcame his crown of gold for them and for every one of us. His blood took the place of theirs and ours. Because he died, they have new life, and so do we today and forever. Today, we worship an almighty king, a king with a golden crown, a king who has set a standard, a king who was there at the creation of the world, who hovered over the face of the deep before the sun and the moon existed, a king in whom all things hold together and who is first in everything. This king requires our obedience our love, our faithfulness. And face to face with this king, we would say with the thief, oh no, we will get now what we deserve for our deeds. But this almighty king is also a suffering servant. He is the friend of sinners. He wears a crown of thorns. And as you cry out to him, he turns, he looks at you, and he loves you. He says to you, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Amen.